Welcome to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley. Today is the first Sunday of Lent, February 18th, 2024. We hear from the Reverend Emily Boring, our Associate Rector, as she preaches on the day's Gospel passage, which is Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. As always, you can learn more and find old sermon archives on our website, allsoulsparish.org. Several nights ago, the evening of Ash Wednesday, I flew to Oregon for my priestly ordination. On the flight there, I tried and failed to write this sermon. (laughs) I was so focused that I didn't notice at first the soft sniffling from the woman beside me. As we started the descent, I finally looked up and realized she was crying deep, shaking sobs. Her cheeks shone with tears, and she wiped them with a paper napkin. Are you okay? I asked her. I think I will be, she said. It's been a hard day. I'm so sorry, I told her. I understand. At first glance, we had little in common. She was 60, maybe, with long graying hair, countless tattoos, and a sweatshirt that said, keep Portland weird. (laughs) But I know what it's like to cry on an airplane, surrounded by strangers. We looked at each other, and the gaze we shared was intimate and knowing. After a while, I realized she was staring at my forehead at the smudged black cross. (laughs) I'd worn it since noon. That thing on your head, she said. What is it? What does it mean? Shortly after, the plane landed, and I didn't get a chance to say much more. But her question lingered. What does this thing, the cross, mean? It struck me that her question is a version of the question we spend all of Lent asking. For this 40-day season, we orient ourselves toward the mystery of Christ's death and resurrection. We prepare ourselves to hold the paradox that the cross represents, the astonishing claim that life comes out of death. What does it mean to proclaim this message of hope in a world where so many signs point us toward hopelessness? What does it mean to talk about the cross when so many people distrust religion and Christianity has done so much harm? And how would you explain the cross to a crying stranger? What does the Christian story have to say to our own suffering, the suffering of others, and the fear and division and hurt in our world? These are big questions. The beauty of Lent is that we'll enter them slowly, approaching the cross step by embodied step. Through litanies and feasts and foot washing and vigils, we'll move through the story of Christ's death and resurrection 
exploring what it means to us. So today, this first Sunday, what can our passage from Mark tell us about the start of our Lenten journey? How does today's reading begin to prepare our minds and our hearts to receive the mystery of the cross? Today's gospel, like every first Sunday of Lent, takes us to the wilderness. We begin with a scene of intimate presence. Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River, and the Spirit descends on him like a dove. A voice cries, you are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. But a sentence later, that same Spirit drives Jesus out into the wilderness, where he's tempted by Satan and surrounded by wild beasts. After intimacy comes trial. After baptism comes a testing of Jesus's identity as son of God. Mark's gospel gives us little detail, but we can imagine the confusion, betrayal, and lostness Jesus likely felt. It's tempting on Lent 1 to stay with the concept of wilderness, to explore its multivalent meaning. Wilderness can be literal or figurative, collective or individual. The audience of Mark would have known it as the place where the Israelites wandered, a place of exile, suffering, and deliverance. It can be a place of solitude, where we go willingly to strip away human distractions and see things more clearly. In many faith traditions, the wilderness is a rite of passage, a phase we must move through in order to be formed and equipped for the spiritual life. And in Lent, the wilderness represents a call to self-discipline and surrender. We follow Jesus by giving up earthly temptations and placing our faith in God. But as I tried to write that sermon, I found myself getting tired of thinking about wilderness. I appreciate the idea that we must go through, not around, what's difficult and unknown. The story of the wilderness, like the story of the cross, is not suffering avoided, but suffering transformed. But frankly, I don't know if we need more invitations to think about trial and suffering. <laughs> the facing our suffering bit of the Christian story is something that our secular world is actually pretty good at. More than ever before, we have precise language, cultural and scientific, to describe the trials we go through, the burdens we carry, the ways we harm one another. We're learning about intergenerational trauma, the wildernesses our ancestors passed through, wildernesses of poverty, racism, enslavement, war, can shape our present experience through signatures in our genes. We've begun to measure the way that the human brain captures and stores adverse childhood experiences. Decades later, it can be difficult to find our way out of the pathways of fear, abandonment, and scarcity we learned early on. People are going to therapy 
We have feeling wheels and DBT worksheets. We're recognizing that we can't simply repress or deny what we feel. This mapping and naming of suffering is good and essential. We need to give voice to every person who's wandered every wilderness, especially people whose stories have been silenced, dismissed, and unheard. And the truth of the cross is that suffering is only part of our story. The countercultural claim of Christianity isn't just our willingness to enter the wilderness. It's our belief that we'll eventually come out the other side. I think we forget sometimes that the season of Lent isn't only about preparing for Good Friday. It's remembering that Easter follows. It's about acknowledging and honoring our experience of the wilderness without letting it define who we are. I think this is the balance that Mark intends to invite us into. Notice the placement of the wilderness episode in the structure of today's reading. It's just one scene in the three-part pericope of Jesus' baptism, temptation, and early ministry. The wilderness is described in just two sentences. It's given so much less weight than the belovedness of baptism or the work in Galilee that follows. The wilderness appears almost as a stepping stone, significant in the way it launches Jesus's ministry. We can imagine that Jesus learned things in the wilderness, non-attachment, discipline, courage, self-compassion. Jesus is defined less by the wilderness itself and more by the gifts and the strength that emerge from it. The struggle isn't ignored or omitted, but it takes its shape in the larger arc of a life. And listen to what Jesus says at the end of today's passage. The kingdom of God has come near, he announces. Repent and believe in the good news. The Greek word for repent here, metanoia, means more than a feeling of remorse or regret for our sinfulness. It's a profound change in one's thinking, understanding, and perception, a complete reorientation toward God. And the word for belief here means more than intellectual agreement. It refers to where you place your confidence, where you stake your life and your being. In the wilderness, it is so easy to lose sight of every reference point other than suffering. We meet the demons of anger, resentment, self-righteousness, self-pity. They call to us, tempting us to let our suffering define who we are. Reorient, Jesus tells us. Let belief in God be your compass and reference point. The identity that matters most is not who you've been in the context of your struggle, 
but who you are, a beloved child of God. The message of today's gospel reminds me of a quote by the poet Cole Arthur Riley. In her book, Black Liturgies, Prayers, Poems, and Meditations for Staying Human, she explores the necessity of honoring our fear without letting it define our lives. The threats of the world, particularly for minoritized communities, are real and unignorable. But, she says, if there is any bravery in me, it is in my refusal to let fear eclipse my imagination for anything but pain. This is our Lenten discipline. Fear and despair are easy. Hope is a practice, a discipline that our culture desperately needs. The work of Lent is learning to hold the reality of suffering and the possibility of transformation. It's proclaiming resurrection without delegitimizing or denying pain. It's entering the wilderness willingly, courageously, without letting that wilderness obscure our view of what lies beyond. So how do we do it? How do we practice holding this paradox of suffering and hope in the context of our daily lives? I think there are many ways, and they're simpler than we might imagine. In Lent, some people give up things, chocolate, meat, shopping, TV. This suffering is minor, but with each small sacrifice, we learn that we don't actually depend on the things we thought we needed. We turn deprivation into empowerment. We realize that limitation and freedom can coexist. Some of us choose during Lent to engage in outward actions. Our awareness of injustice drives us to give, to serve, to share our time and treasure. For Jesus, the road toward the cross was a road of helping, healing, and dwelling with the outcast. When we follow him, we realize that the places of greatest suffering can be the sites of clearest hope and strongest love. And sometimes, our Lenten practice can't be so intentional. Perhaps this season, you find yourself in a wilderness. You can't see beyond the trial and uncertainty and loneliness, and that's okay. If this is you, consider opening up to others. Let yourself fall apart and be held. When we're met in our brokenness by other people, we witness how suffering itself can be a place of transformation. It's a place where strangers become friends, united by shared experience. It's an opportunity to learn that no pain, isolation, shame, or lostness is enough to separate us from the love of God. Before we parted ways, I learned the name of the woman from the airplane, Kim. Kim.
As we walked up the jet bridge to the gate, she said, thanks for noticing I was crying and for caring. And before I could say it, she gave me the thing I wanted to give her, blessings for your path. This Lent, practice hope. Seek unexpected connection. Practice entering the world expecting transformation, opening yourself to show and be shown the meaning of the cross. <laughs>